0: I know I should forgive. You know you should forgive, and yet it's still hard. <laughs> Can we just be honest? Anything I've said so far, are you going to walk in and say, "You know he's right. I'm going to forgive today"? No, you're not. You, you, you may say that, but about five hours later, you'll start thinking again. Today, 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 with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, we continue Pastor Jeff's message on Forgive Us Our Debts, as we look into Jesus' guide to knowing and communicating with God through the model of the Lord's Prayer. It's part of a series on the Lord's Prayer taught to us by Jesus in Matthew chapter six. Let's join Pastor Jeff now to hear the rest of his message and to see what we can apply to our lives today. When I was working in Savannah, Dave Allgaier, one of the pastors, asked me to go down and meet some of the homeless people who live under the bridge in Savannah. Up until that time, I thought homeless people were just lazy bums. I'm just being honest. Get a job, man. And then I go down and meet the homeless people. I met a corporate lawyer who had lost a big case and did not know how to deal with it. I met a Harvard graduate who went to medical school but lost somebody on the operating table, couldn't deal with it. I met a husband who had lost a wife and a child in a car accident. I met a young man who was sexually abused by his father. I met a basketball player who knew that he would not be able to go to school or university unless he got a scholarship. He worked really hard, but he just wasn't good enough. He didn't know how to deal with it. And as I talked to these people, I realized, that could be me. Any one of those. Could have been any of us. If all the things that happened... To the other person happened in your life, there's a great possibility you may have ended up doing some of the same things. Taking pity means that your heart goes out to somebody. And I wonder if the king looked at the servant and said, You know what? He's had a tough, pretty tough life. And I know he's trying to get back on top. I'm gonna let my heart go out to him, knowing that he's not a king. He doesn't have a kingdom like I do. I'm gonna give some mercy. My favorite, One of my favorite shows is Frasier, and on one of the episodes of Frasier, uh, there's an Italian restaurant in town, and when you become a famous uh, uh, person in Seattle, they, they post a cartoon kind of figure of you, an impression of you on the wall, and Frasier's been waiting all of his life because he's a famous radio personality, and of course, he's incredibly eccentric. So the owner of the restaurant invites him down. Stephanos says, we're going to put your photo on. The wall, the wall of fame. Fraser invites Niles and his father and Daphne down. They're going to have this big celebration. And then Stephanos unveils the photo and it makes Fraser's forehead look like it's just so big. And Fraser hates it. (laughs) He absolutely hates it. And he says, look, Niles, I look like a fugitive from Easter Island. (laughs) But the problem is that that's what cartoonists do, right? Cartoonists accentuate any feature that you have that make you you. So if you've got a big nose, that's going to stick out. A big, big ears, a big head, a big forehead, whatever it is. Now, here's the temptation when somebody's offended you. You tend to reduce the person to their most negative feature. Okay? So I come to you and I say, somebody offended you. I say, what? Well, What did they do? They, they lied to me, Pastor Jeff. I said, why do you think they lied to you? Because they're just a liar they're just a liar. And then I say, well, have you ever lied to anybody? And you say, well, yeah. Why did you lie? Well, there were extenuating circumstances. I'm not happy that I did it. Uh, But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm three-dimensional here. I'm a person. There are nuances. What you don't say is because I'm just a liar. (laughs) You with me? You reduce, she's just a liar, but you lied. Then aren't you just a liar? Part of the whole thing of taking pity on somebody is your heart goes out to them and you realize, you know, I'm really not that different. And forgiveness flounders only because forgiveness flounders only because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans and I exclude myself from the community of sinners. In other words, you forget that your enemy is human and you forget that you are a sinner. And you look at what the person did and suddenly you think, well, I'm different than they are. I always take the high road and I would have never done that. But if you stop and think and allow your heart to go out to them, you start to realize that you're really not that different. And given this wrong set of circumstances, you don't know what you would have done. I'm not saying that forgiveness will come. I'm saying that you can't even hope that it will come until you first begin with pity. The master took pity. His heart went out to the offender. And then the second thing you have to do is you got to do what the king did. You got to cancel the debt. Now, what does that mean? I I feel that people don't really know what that means anymore. I had a paper route when I was a boy. I had this cool red router bicycle. Oh, oh, man. And I had this bicycle that my parents got me one Christmas, and I decided I'm going to make some money. I'm going to deliver papers. So I bought these two baskets, and my dad helped me put those baskets on the side. And I was tall enough and had long enough arms where all I had to do was reach down in the basket, and we'd roll the papers up and put rubber bands on them. And then this is the days before walls and gates. So I could just ride down Mulberry, Hickory, and all the streets and just throw these missiles onto the front porch. I never had to get off my bike. And I thought, man, they're paying me for this. This is fun. And I couldn't wait for Friday to come. But that was the weekend edition. And the weekend edition was like thick. And so my brothers would help me roll these things up and put two or three rubber bands on them. Then they were like little missiles. And on Friday, women and children and dogs would run for their lives as I'm going down the street, throwing these newspapers on the porches. I mean, you hit a dog with one of those, it hurts. And to me, it was a big game until I broke a storefront window. Man, that newspaper, boom. You ever heard a newspaper thrown very hard, just hit a window right in the center and just explodes? Now, I wish I could tell you that as your future pastor, well, let me just tell you the truth. I got on my bike and I ran as fast as I could. (laughs) I never pedaled so hard in my life. And I started thinking on my way back home, okay, I can't tell my father because he'll say, well, dude, you're going to have to get another job and pay for this. But folks, it would have taken me three or four months of what I made as a paperboy to pay for that window. And I did not want to work three or four months for nothing. And just as I was about to get home, though, it dawned on me. I got to go back. Not because I wish I could tell you because I want to be honest. No, no, that wasn't my motivation. My motivation was he's going to know who broke the window. The paper's lying right there by the window. You don't have to be Sherlock to figure this out. So I pedal my bike back and I'm thinking what's going to happen. And I walk in, walked up the stairs. He looked at me and he said, He's kind of standing there waiting. He saw the look on my face, he says, "Young Jeffrey, that's OK. I forgive you." You know, I don't know why I remember that. Well, yeah, I don't know why I remember that. It saved me about 50 bucks in the '70s. But you know, somebody still had to pay for the window, right? Okay, if I don't pay for the window, he has to pay for the window. So it's not like the debt just goes into thin air. I pay for the window or he pays for the window. Or he goes without the window, which you can't do in Tennessee summers and winters. So either way, somebody's got to pay. He's going to pay to replace it or pay to live without it, which would be painful, or I'm going to pay to restore it. The Bible tells you what Jesus did for you was forgive the debt completely. Past, present, and future sin on the cross. Past, present, and future on the cross. And he absorbed the debt by taking all your sins to the cross and dying for you. Now, what the Bible shows you is that as long as what somebody did to you is more precious than what Jesus has already done for you, you won't forgive. Did you hear me? When what Jesus did for you was more precious and valuable than what somebody else has done to you, you won't forgive. And so we're told that we're supposed to assume the loss. What does that mean? Oh, well, let's go back to my pastor person that I told you about. It's painful. It's painful. They just had the 20-year reunion. I, I'm the founder and planter. I know it's God's church, but the, your first church is, a, is something special to you. No invitation, no welcome, Nothing. Part of it is probably because I know what it feels like not to be honored when you put so much time into a place. It hurts, but I have one of two choices. I can either make him pay, slice up the reputation, and I love it when we get real self-righteous and we warn others about them. You know, I don't have anything against this person, but I just need to warn you. Police. When you have little daytime visions and... You, You get a little psychic, you say, man, I hope they fail and suffer like they made me suffer. And if something bad happens to them, you say, justice. Oh, really? Justice is what you want. Really? Is that what you want? What about all the things you've done to other people? You want God to give you justice for how you've offended everybody else? No, I don't, but I want justice for them. Grace to me, but not to them. So, you can either slice them up, let your feelings continue to poison you. Let me tell you how good the devil is here, by the way. Just when you're having a good day, he helps you remember what somebody did to you. He's not going to let you be happy for very long. Or, you can do what the Bible says. By an act of the will, you can refuse to slice them up. By an act of the will, you can refuse to berate them. By an act of the will, you can refuse to root against them. What does that do? The Bible teaches that that will cut off the oxygen supply to self-righteousness, self-aggrandizement, self-pitying. And bit by bit, if you practice refusing by the act of the will to entertain those thoughts, over time, the Bible says your anger will actually subside And you will feel forgiveness. See, if you wait till you feel like forgiving, you're not going to do it. Never going to happen. Feelings get in line after you've employed the act of the will enough times. Stay with me quickly. Oswald Chambers says this. Moods never go by praying. Moods go by kicking. We have to take ourselves by the scruff of the neck, shake ourselves. The curse with most of us is that we won't. Unless we train our emotions, they will lead us around by the nose and we will be captives through every passing impulse or reaction. But once faith is trained to control the emotions and knows how to lean resolutely against weakness of character, another entryway of doubt is sealed shut forever. Much of our distress as Christians comes not because of sin, but because we are ignorant of the laws of our own nature. Jesus says in Mark 11, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. That tells me that forgiveness is an act of the will or Jesus wouldn't have said to do it. You can actually choose, I am going to forgive this person. Let's finish. Number one, if you hope to forgive, it starts by identifying and giving your heart to them, taking pity. It will continue toward the healing when you cancel the debt because God has canceled your debt. When you you decide that you want to get out of this prison and you use your will To make a conscious decision, I will not entertain these thoughts that come across my desk. I will refuse to berate them. I will refuse to pull against them. I will wish them well. Now, the third thing the king did, and finally, he let him go. This is important, and I wish I wouldn't have... I wish I had much more time, but I don't. But please stay with me. Letting him go included two things. One, letting him go, departure. Now, do you think the king would have rehired the servant back to do what he was doing before? No. Uh -uh. He forgave him and wished him well, but you're not going to oversee the books anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because God's not stupid. Now, there's a great message in here for pastors. As a pastor, if I have a moral failure and I cheat on my wife, God will forgive me, but my days of pastoring are probably over. You understand? There are some sins you do. You're forgiven, you go to heaven, but you forfeited the position or the plan that God once had for you. It's just life. Sometimes when you forgive, reconciliation is not possible, nor is it smart. You let them go, and you wish them well over there. So the the husband who's beating his wife I'm not going to tell the wife, forgive your husband, go live with him. I'm going to say, get out of there, man, and take your kids. He's going to kill you. You can still forgive your husband for beating you and wish him well over there, but not in this house. Somebody who's molesting children, I can forgive them, but they're not going to teach in the Sunday school class. You with me? If you've got a mother-in-law who comes into your house and every time she does, she's splitting the marriage. She's causing tension and there's hatred and there's argumentation. It may be good to love your mother-in-law over there. That's why the Bible says you leave and cleave your new family's mom and dad and your kids. And if mom can't come into your house without wreaking havoc, maybe it's good that you love her over there. So sometimes it means... Letting them go over there. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's not possible to live at peace. But it also means you let justice come with God. In Romans 12, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Forgiveness is not the absence of justice, it is the absence of justice from you. You let them go. You know, Pastor Phil... One of our elders, do you know that like 30 or 40 years ago, his wife was killed, shot downtown Los Angeles. His son Joshua was in the backseat of the car. He watched his mom murdered because his faith was so strong. He went to the prison after the murderer was sentenced and he told the prisoner, I want you to know, I forgive you for killing my mother. But notice he still had to serve out his prison term. Just because you forgive doesn't mean that there aren't repercussions. That's why the Bible says in Romans 13, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Forgiveness is not a mockery of justice. It's you giving up your right to invoking it and letting the law and justice and God be God. So you're not anymore a Christian when somebody murders somebody that you love. You're not a better Christian if you say, I don't want them to go to prison. You're not. You can forgive them and wish them well, but the justice of the world means you kill somebody, you go to prison. You with me? You forgive them, but you let the law of the land take its course. You say, okay, Pastor Jeff, I've heard of all of this, and I got to tell you, I still can't do it. Okay, I got to end this. Do I still have you? Can you give me five minutes grace? Here's the thing. Pastor Jeff, I, I will identify with him even though I don't think I've ever done what they did, but I hear what you're saying. And I want to forgive the debt because God's forgiven my debt. And I want to let them go and wish them well. There's only one way you're going to be able to do this even though you've heard this message. That one way includes two things. Do you remember the story I've told you numerous times of the Reconciliation Commission in South Africa when Nelson Mandela established all these courts where these white police officers would come and sit in court and listen and inform the people they had offended of their crimes. And if they did so, they would be released. They would be let go. And this one rather large woman from Soweto comes in with about 30 of her friends into the court. And the white police officer comes on the stage. And the idea is if you confess your crimes, you'll be freed, but if you leave something out, you're going to pay. And so the police officer told her the whole story. I want to tell you, madam, how your son and your your husband died. We found your 16-year-old son out after curfew in Soweto, so we put him on a skewer, and we turned him slowly until he was roasted alive. That's how your husband and your son died. And the woman is just weeping tears coming down, because now she knows what happened to her family, and she stands up, because in the Reconciliation Commission, the one who was violated gets to stand and respond, and she stood. She said, I asked two things. Number one, would you please show me where you did this so that I can collect ashes of whatever I can get and give my son and my husband a proper burial? He said, yes, madam. Kept his head down. You can read about this in a book called The Power of the Story by Rob Harley. Power of the Story, Rob Harley. And he said, what's the second thing? And she said, I want you to come to my house every Tuesday night for dinner because I have a lot of love to give, but my husband and my son are gone. So you come over every Tuesday night and I'll make you dinner. And the love that I had for them, I'll give to you. And then that was the cue. All the people in the courtroom that had come with her stood. It was her small group from church and they started singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. He was so overwhelmed that he passed out. He fainted. You know why she could do that? If you try to do this on your own and you keep it all bottled up inside the person you need to forgive, you'll just get more and more poison and you will disintegrate on the inside. But if you talk about this to your friends, they will guide and direct you and they will be there. Think about it. If you decide to forgive, here's you on your own. You're nasty, mean, I hate you, but I forgive you. (laughs) But if you go with your friends, your friends are with you. I would ask that you forgive me for any wrongdoing I've done as I forgive you for the wrongdoing that you've done. And they may say, what, i haven't?" No, no, that's what you do with your friends. And the only way you'll be able to do that if your friends remind you of the things. Jeff, you can do it. This is right. This is another testimony of the saving grace of Jesus Christ in your life. You can do it. Even if they don't respond well, just do it and then go on with your life and let it go but you'll never do it on your own. You need people who hold you accountable. People say, come on, Jeff, come on, you're a pastor. Dude, you're preaching sermons like this all the time. You can't forgive this pastor, dude. What's wrong with you? If you don't have that, you'll never do it. And there's a second thing. Back to Corey ten Boom. Suffers in the concentration camps. Ravensbrück, Auschwitz. Her sister is raped and tortured by this one guard almost Daily until finally her sister dies in the camp after the war is over, what does she decide to do? Corey ten Boom travels all around Germany preaching the message of forgiveness. That's the only way forward for Germany. So she's been doing this for a few months. And now it gets real because the guard at Ravensbrück who had punished and tortured and raped her sister and caused her death is now in the audience at a church service. And after it's over, He starts coming forward to talk to her and she catches a glimpse. You'll find this recorded in the last two pages of her book, The Hiding Place. And she says, I tried to smile when I saw him. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed the silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened from my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not our, on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his, when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command the love itself. Do you now know why I told you the story that I started this sermon with? Because if you truly in your heart want to forgive, he will give you the power to do so. The the trouble is a lot of you don't want to because it's your identity. You live and breathe because you live for the day of revenge. You lose that. You're wondering what you're living for. But if you truly want to and you pray that God would help you, he will release his divine energy and power enable you to do what you could never do on your own. Father, I pray in Christ's name that in this place right now, the spirit of God would descend. I pray something special, supernatural would happen that we would obey and come to the altar. And in humility, we would say, Father God, our will is to forgive, but we just don't know how. Would you give us the forgiveness, the power and the strength to do what we want to do ourselves and what we know represents the fruit of the spirit, that we are a tree alive in Christ and it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us and if Christ lives in us, he will give us the power to forgive. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines.